Pin the schnod flaps to the Winstree engine drive. And I'll form the head. We've got a podcast to record. This week on Writers Get Animated, Voltron. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Mackenzie Worrell without an accent. And I'm Chris Leva. And today on our podcast about animation and storytelling, and this week, five mechanical lions fighting crime in outer space. Is it crime? War crimes? Fighting war crimes in outer fighting, space? Fighting war? I don't know. Never. <laughs> I. It was a sentence. Legendary public defender. <laughs> it, was a, it was a sentence that was assembled more haphazardly than Voltron. One might say there was no head to that sentence. One might. When they formed it. Yeah, yeah. I see this, there's going to be a lot of assemblage jokes this episode. I see. Mm. <laughs> and jokes that are, are too well thought out for our audience's best interests. <laughs> so today we're talking Voltron Legendary Defender. And, and not the original Voltron, which, uh, which was... Oh gosh, what was the original name of it? Voltron, Voltron. Voltron Defender of the Universe is, oh, is what it right. was. I'm sorry. So you're totally right. <laughs> I, I was. Here's why I was so right with that. Now, <laughs> Voltron Defender of the Universe, the original, was created from licensed footage from the Japanese cartoon <laughs> Beast King Go Lion. Makes sense. So they, the American Voltron from the 80s took Beast King Go Lion footage, dubbed over that footage with different dialogue, not paying attention to what the original dialogue was, but crafting their own stories, almost like they did in, uh, I forget what show that was where they showed them, whose line is it anyway? They were basically doing whose line is it anyway, having no volume, no audio, and having them make, I'm not saying it was this far, but having them make up what was going on and crafted a completely different story based on the footage of this Japanese cartoon. So I, mean, they, I would have said Power Rangers, but I think that your example is also good. Yeah, it works It works either way. But so, <laughs> you, so they assembled Voltron, the show. Uh, uh, thank, I told you there would be more. <laughs> out of pieces of this other Japanese... Beast King Go Lion show. Um, and full disclosure, I as a child was obsessed with Voltron. That was going to um, be my follow-up question. I didn't know if you liked it or not. I was. Uh, I had the castle where you could take the figures and put them in things and they would slide down towards their lions and it, it was just really awesome. And the lions were big because these were Star Wars-sized figures that fit in these lions uh, it was really cool. Nowadays, you don't get Voltron figures that can fit that size of action figure inside of them, and a lot of it, yeah. a lot of it has to do with the mechanics of it because they talk more and they make laser eyes and do all kinds of stuff, and so the mechanics of it don't allow for a figure to be placed inside of the lions, which I think is a little bit sad and tragic. And I'm talking too much about this. Um, I mean, I was going to say, I think that nowadays you'd get like some kind of like Bluetooth enabled figure that you touch to your iPad and then it like lands inside the lion in your iPad or something. 
Yeah, it would be a little be, bit different. So yeah. it's it's interesting as for me, having grown up with Voltron and loving it. I even had a helmet and one of the keys that they wore. They used to have the key to their lions as their badges, which is much cooler than the Star Trek, just a communicator badge. It's like the thing that you drive with. So you, you get to put it in your lion and it turns it on. It's really cool. So I had I had a red helmet because I I loved Keith even though Lance was my favorite as a kid. Here's a funny story about my first Keith figure though. My first Keith figure, I took it into the bath. <laughs> what? What are you I just laughing? We're still talking about this. <laughs> I took it in the bath with me, and his body broke apart. The glue that held it together. <laughs> Popped apart, so Keith's torso fell apart, and his lit and his legs and arms all floated in different directions, and I I had to get a new one. So you drowned Keith as a kid. Yeah, uh, he he disconnected like a poorly put together Voltron. Wow! It just disconnected his arms, his legs, and in, in like eight distinct pieces. And, uh, so the, the team inside him did not trust each other. No, uh, it was a very uh, traumatic episode from my childhood. <laughs> it's my Keith disintegrating <laughs> in the tub, and, which is why I never played with bath toys after that, for the fear <laughs> of anything else breaking and being destroyed by water. Even today, Chris Leva <laughs> will not enter a bathtub with any children's toys. <laughs> That's Well, my son has toys, but they are not armed wait that's that's different armed never mind like they don't have arm, they're like ducks they're ducks they're not oh okay <laughs> they're not appendaged right append, yeah they, they also don't have guns or weaponry <laughs> and now we're oh no <laughs> moving on i had one more on top of that you did i did i was gonna say if if, if tim burton's batman movies taught me anything it said a rubber duck can be a weapon that's true. Boom. Now Boom. we can oh no. <laughs> now, now we're moving on. Let's say a little bit more. So Voltron, <laughs> Legendary Defender, is a reboot of the old Voltron. As we remember it. And so they're taking something that existed and completely changing it for today's audiences. This is like the Battlestar Galactica of kids shows. And there are very many things, and this is one thing I was, I was actually going to mention, Battlestar Galactica um, mm -hmm. in the second season of Voltron feels very close to Battlestar Galactica. I keep waiting for them to like start collecting the alien races on the castle because the castle's so big. Like I'm waiting for it to happen, and they don't have anybody with them yet. Yeah, there's seven people flying around space with mice. And that's, Which, that's all that live on the castle now. I don't understand the mice. Like I started watching some clips of the old show in preparation for today's podcast episode. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that the mice were in the old show. They were. I don't know what function they serve in the new show. I don't think the mice know what function they serve. I think it's called, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, fan service. <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean for us and our many fans? It, that's exactly what it serves. It's it's pure, unadulterated mouse fan service. Mouse. So. I think that's called Disney. <laughs> so, 
So tell us a little bit about where this is coming from. Did you, let me ask this before we ask, sorry, let me ask this one thing. Did you have experience with Voltron growing up? No, I knew that it existed. I was aware of it. Okay. Um, I think as a kid, I wasn't conscious of it enough um, because I'm, I'm such a darling younger child than you were. Um, <laughs> Thanks. I knew of its existence. And like, as a kid, I think I can, I kind of conflated it as some kind of like multifaceted ripoff of like Gundam wing and power Rangers and Thundercats. Like in my head, like it was just like this weird third party solution to all of these shows. <laughs> kind of in a way it does. Yeah. I got mad at power Rangers because I'm like, you're basically doing Voltron power Rangers. Yeah. But I think, in Japan, Power Rangers started first. Did it? I don't know. Hmm. This is something we'd have to Google, and I'm too lazy to do that right now. So, but um, I think with this, this is not the first time that they tried to reboot Voltron. It's at least the second time. So I remember in college, I was very excited about the show Voltron Force that came out, which was 3D animated in not much better than reboot style is animation. That what that is? I've seen like a couple stills from that. I'm like, where are they getting this from? Yeah. Voltron. It's like the weird sleek sharp nosed lions or something like rounded. Yeah. It's a, it's very odd. And I think I saw a half an episode and was like, no, this is, this is too much. So when they announced Voltron legendary defender, I was both excited that Voltron was coming back, but also trepidatious at what we would be experiencing. Yeah, I think I originally, when I saw the trailer for it, I didn't watch it when the first season premiered on Netflix in 2016. Um, I kind of written off it like, like, oh, it's another team of like five guys with a robot. Okay. Oh, and DreamWorks is animating it. Mm, okay, I'll skip this one. And in retrospect, all of my assumptions about this, including um, any baggage I may have brought to the table about DreamWorks, were incorrect. Yes. I will fully admit that. I, when I saw that it had DreamWorks' name on it, I was a little afraid of it. But they also brought in veterans from Avatar, The Last Airbender, mm -hmm. and The Legend of Korra. And, and I think that really shines like it's, it's subtle, but you get a lot of um, diversity in the show. And I think it's much more, it, it's not as much about gender stereotypes either in that it ha also has like more than one female main character, <laughs> which I um, got, I remember on Twitter, I railed at them when they released the first shots, I, I was uh, angry. Per this is how much I enjoyed the show and how angry I got about representation. So I enjoyed, I saw there's so like, here's the shot of the pilots from Voltron. Oh, I guess we should stop and say this. There are going to be spoilers of this episode. So yeah, your homework was seasons one and two, every episode. So we're going to, we're going to spoil everything for you this episode. With that being said, when they release the shot, here are the the paladins, here are the pilots of the five lions. And knowing the show from before, you see 
Keith and Lance and Hunk, and you see some new guy, which they didn't have his name released yet as Shiro. And then you see Pidge, and you're like, wait, Pidge and Lance and Hunk and Keith and this new other guy, those are all guys. And so I shouted at them. I'm like, my wife's like, look, they're all different colors. They're all different backgrounds, it looks like. I'm like, yeah, but they're still all guys. And so I tweeted at them. I think it was to Netflix or something. It's like, way to go, Netflix. Thanks for the representation. All men, good job. Um, and then spoilers, Pidge is actually a girl, a, a woman. Um, and I enjoyed that reveal. But it was funny on they were talking about it. The, the creators that were in an interview saying of how much they had to just endure <laughs> because they didn't want to ruin the surprise. <laughs> like, we will get through this and then they will feel like jerks later on and Chris Leva will definitely apologize on Twitter. Did you apologize on Twitter? I can't remember if I did, but I should. You should before this podcast episode airs. Yes, I will. Um, or this is my apology. I wanted to do yeah. it in person. I didn't want it to feel impersonal on, you know, on 140 characters. So instead of getting a quick apology they can read in two seconds, they have to listen to a 40-minute podcast episode. That's the way I do. <laughs> uh, I, oh I definitely, like, just at first glance of the marketing originally, like, here are the five paladins. I also was like, oh, they're all guys. Okay. Um, and I also felt from, like, the, the trailer and the clips they showed, like, oh, they're all, like... I, I felt like they were a li very white presenting sure um and i think that is still a concern but like there's i've i've done much reading on tumblr of the the head canon uh, or the the writers get animated word the fanon um of their ethnicities of these characters obviously like shiro's probably japanese of some kind um and there's thought that keith may be of korean descent um and that um Lance may be Latino of some kind, that Hunk may be Filipino, and none of that's really on the show, but there's inferences based on things that are referenced. Like, okay, mm -hmm. there's some diversity, and Pidge is white, but also a girl. Okay. And right. Allura, unlike the original trailer, Allura is much more a main character, and I think arguably the leader. She is in, in a lot of ways. There's... And this is one thing that we'll talk about in terms of when you have a team as the main character, and it gets to be very Star Trek-esque or Battlestar Galactica-esque when it's the when there's a show about a team coming together as Voltron. You know, it's these seven people together, Allura, Karan, Shiro, Keith, Honk, Lance, and Pidge which I can't remember Pidge's real name all of a sudden. Katie. I was like, it's like Karen or something ordinary. <laughs> it's Katie. So lots of K's in this. Um, but she, I think it's, it's trying to figure out where in the story each person gets to be the main character. They mm -hmm. are, this is a story of the, team and not of any single character and different characters in the show 
their relationships and their fights together and their interactions between each other are what caused the movement forward in this particular show. Yes. And I think when you're expecting a single main character, um, it can be kind of disorienting at first. Cause I think the first couple of episodes, you definitely feel like Lance is the main character and then he just kind of falls off the map. Like he's part of the team still, he's in the show, but if you were following his arc, because he's kind of the person that you're following the first episode, he gets his lion first. Um, yeah. Then it's not about him for like the next 10 episodes after that. That was kind of disorienting for me the first time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that you're, it's, it's taking a lot of, if people know the show from before, it's trying to redefine things from the show from really the ground up in a lot of ways. So you're taking what people already know and just keeping parts of it, but building a new mythology on top of what was already there. Hmm. Um, the thing that is different about the way that they tell these stories versus the old Voltron or that's different from many shows like this is that each season is a long arc story. I think, I think the second season does it better. I think they refine it in the second season. Yeah. But it's one big arc story that they're telling beginning to end, beginning to end, and then taking time away from that main plot to do other pieces. I think the first season is a little more, um, what was I going to say, a little more disjointed in terms of keeping it on the one main story. The sec the second season does a little bit better of the diversions are just as important because they're pushing forward the plot. Well, that's, I think, also by nature of where they fall with the characters. The second season, the main characters all have one unified goal. And a lot of the first season is getting to the characters to the point they agree on having the same goal. True. Like, I think some of the, the better episodes... Or my favorite episodes of the first season are on the um, the Balra, the rock animal planet. Mm, yeah. Is it Balra? Is that the right word? I don't believe I that is the right word. <laughs> Balmera. Balmera. <clears throat> That's close. So when they're on the Balmera and like Hunk is like the last holdout, of like I want to go home. I don't really believe in this. And he has like this long arc of like, seeing why they should be helping the universe and helping people and falling in love with this rock girl alien thing. Um, rock alien person. Yeah. Rock alien person. Girl. <laughs> Emphasis on girl because it's still gender in the universe. Unlike Steven universe. That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> so for me, like I, I mean, hunk is my favorite character. Um, anything he says is amazing. And I think that his arc in the Balmero was interesting because I like stories about the one person who doesn't want to do the thing that the show's about learning that they do want to do the thing the show's about. <laughs> That's always a nice arc. Yeah. But, but also he hunk lends a heart that hunk in the original series didn't have hunk in the original series was more of, um, the usual character that you would have with a big guy 
with the body type as hunk. A little dumb, a little just all physical, um, just ready, more like a G.I. Joe character as opposed to Hunk, who has, in this one, in the reboot, who has heart, who loves cooking, mm-hmm. who's as much cronk, but <laughs> as he is, you know, uh, a character out of a rom-com. Like, yeah. I, f- I feel... So, it's, but it's, it's nice to have a character with actual heart, and I think they instill the characters with actual good desires that aren't just they're all pure trying to do what's best for the galaxy and the universe. Yeah. And I do enjoy that he is, I enjoy the dynamic of Lance, Hunk and Pidge. And I kind of see more of them as a trio, like in the first episode. Yeah. I think that I like when all three of them are together. The three of them play off really well against each other. Those three together. Keith, they, in the reboot, they gave Keith something more to do. They gave Keith some mystery. But it's a little bit hard because Keith and Shiro are essentially performing the same function in a lot of ways. Like, like you could... In the original, there was no Shiro. Shiro did not exist mm-hmm. in the original. Keith was the pilot of the Black Line. I'm sounding. I feel like the comic book guy. I'm like, I'm trying not to sound. In the original, Keith was the Black Lion pilot. Yeah. So, I'm tr- excuse me. So there was no Shiro. Um, I'm trying to stay away from feeling like that. But what I'm so Keith was the original leader, and I think that they're still trying to figure out what to do with Keith if Keith is not the leader. And in the second season, they're giving him a little bit of an internal struggle. You start to see what could be the start of a relationship with the princess. There's some hints that there's a relationship at least budding there of some kind. There's at least some interest. I mean, nobody on the show has time for romance. Let's be real. They have two... Mm. They have a war to fight, but I feel like the two of them are starting something. I think we could talk about um, something we haven't really talked about in this podcast before, because it doesn't really happen in animated shows the way it does, like, essentially, like, soap operas, like Supernatural. But I think there is um, a little bit of queer baiting in this show, and that there's kind of like, there's, there's room for the potential of romance between Shiro and Keith on this show. Hmm. It's very subtle. Like they have like this very close brother bond and a, there's a specific scene in season two. They're like splitting off to go on a mission towards the end. And like Keith and Chiro have like this emotional conversation with everybody around and they go in for a hug. And then we watch someone else's entire conversation and we cut back to a shot of the whole group and they're just breaking their hug at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I'm like, that's interesting. And don't Google this, but of course it's out there on the internet. Um, or at least, like, know know what you click on before you click. Um, uh, on our show segment, uh, what not to Google? <laughs> yeah, on our, our recurring segment, which happens every episode, don't Google that. Um, yeah, so I think that there's 
interesting room for a romance out there. And they're kind of ambiguous with Pidge as well. Like, we established, like, okay, Pidge is a woman. But is Pidge a woman? Is Pidge a woman on the inside? Well, Pidge feels very feminine. I think when I saw the... When I yelled at them on, on Twitter about, you know, guy, really all men in this day and age? I was like, there is something feminine about Pidge, so at least I like that design. Like, yeah. like that was a thought that crossed my mind. So at least it's not just the, the, the version of Pidge from the old one. It was more of like a feminized Pidge. And I did enjoy in the show that everyone was like, wait, we were supposed to think that you were a girl or a guy? Like, I think everyone was like, okay, yeah, but we were just playing along. Right. The, I think, yeah. So I don't I, know. For me, I think that Pidge is first and foremost a nerd and like Pidge's gender identity doesn't matter to Pidge. <laughs> right. Except it's, to pass his mail for this Academy thing. I'm not really sure if it's like a Mulan thing or what's going on. Yeah. I think it is, but also to be in some form of disguise so that way Pidge can go in and find out what's happened to her brother. Mm -hmm. But not changing the way Pidge dresses. So, Which I think is fine. I, mean, I, I think I, isn't there a first episode, first season episode where Allura is like trying to have like this girly day with Pidge or something? It's mm -hmm. been a while. Yeah. So it's, I, I think I like that there's nothing else that changed after the revelation of Pidge's gender. There's nothing that changes, changed behavior or clothes or, and it's just like, oh yeah, now I still wear the same baggy sweater. I'm just, uh, now, now I don't have to pretend that I'm a, I'm a boy. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I do too. I do. It's, yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity with the show, which I think makes it a lot more diverse than maybe at first glance. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's that the surprises and the deepness of character and interaction and this character is half this, this character is each each one has started to have a mystery about them that they're having to deal with. So every time it establishes something, something new gets established that makes the world a little deeper, a little richer, a little more interesting. So I look forward to um, the third season because I feel like I feel like they're going to have one. You don't end on a type B cliffhanger and not come back. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have one. Um, and it was only... Maybe they'll stick to like this Netflix season thing where it's been seven months from season one to season two. So maybe yeah. it'll be a year between each thing. It'll just be like half a year. We'll get 13 new episodes every six months. I could live with that. Yeah, I could live with that number of episodes. I don't need 26 episodes. I That's feel a lot to binge at once. The thing that I like about it is the it's 12 episodes, so it's much shorter. I, I, I like the story being told in 12 episodes. I think it's a good, good model. 
and it's tighter. Yeah, and yes, you could possibly take season one and season two and have a, like a 24-episode season, but I think just having it in 12 just tells the story a little bit tighter. But And being on Netflix, they're able to tell the story. You found a quote. I did. That I think is really terrific as we're talking about structure-wise. Um, of course, uh, Lauren Montgomery was talking about the show being on Netflix. Um, and she says, had it been another situation or, or on another network, it wouldn't have been a weekly sort of thing. It would have been significantly less serialized if serialized at all. We wouldn't want to be able uh, to take a, any kind of major risks, and there are a few episodes that may have been killed. Networks might say there's not enough Voltron, not enough Lions. It's not what we're paying for. Having Netflix as a platform, it allows the show to have the voice that it has. And I completely agree with that. Like it's, This is not something that could be weekly, and I think you see that in more modern serialized shows like Steven Universe, where they'll do one week where there's like 10 new Steven Universe episodes, then you have to wait four months until the next chunk because they, they're too interrelated, so the network doesn't want to show them weeks apart. Have right. the whole thing, then wait a long time, and have another big chunk. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like having doing it in single episodes means you have to contain it, and you can't leave any strings or big strings lingering. Mm-hmm. What I feel like the second episode, the second season, all those episodes left big threads just laying, going throughout the entire season. They could have fun off little ones like going off to the mall, which was mm-hmm. a, just a really fun episode. I but love that one. But it was still moving forward on the overarching path of the final battle with Zarkon. Mm-hmm. Final. Yeah, yeah. Air quotes. Air quotes, final. The Again, spoilers. F- the final season battle uh, with Zarkon. Not final season, the final battle of the season. Of the se- so, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. It's so misleading. I hope you've watched the show. <laughs> well, like any good nerd, they've done their homework and watched everything, <laughs> right? Like any good nerd, State Farm is there. Watching you. So let's talk a little bit about that, um, the structure of it, with mm-hmm. it being serialized versus season by season. I mean, it has some really good gems of episodes, and each one starts to take its tone, but you do feel that it's constantly driving forward. Yeah, and with being able to binge a season at a time, they kind of return to some things a couple times that I wouldn't have caught if I weren't able to binge the show. I'm trying to think of a good um, anti-example from a different show. Um, it's not animated, but I, I'm watching Parks and Rec for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, kinda, I'm spacing it out, even though it is all Netflix. I'm not like watching 10 episodes at a time, except for last night, because I have no self-control. Um, <laughs> but mostly I'm watching like, maybe like five a week or something, which is still pretty bingy, but it's seven seasons long. And so like they'll reference something and I'll say like, is that a thing? I think that's a thing. And if I'd been watching this live on the air, I wouldn't remember many small plot points and throwaway jokes. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with Voltron in season one, they have the, the two, the two part Balmera episodes. 
with the monster that they fight there. And in season two, they return to the Balmera and the monster comes back. Right. And if I weren't able to binge everything, I probably would not have remembered what that monster was or what its weaknesses and powers were. Right. So, but, yeah, the creators know what they're doing and what you can do with a serialized show versus not a serialized one. But to a certain extent, all we really want is a robot fighting monsters in space, right? I don't. I don't want all that. I'm happy with, like, the three to four battles they have a season. So you don't want a monster of the week that Voltron has to beat up and kill? No. That gets boring. Why would that get boring? That's like magic and awesomeness and lasers and swords. Thank you, cable content providers. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's very smart the way they structured it and not doing monster of the week because I, I was being sarcastic just now i don't for any of our listeners who thought that i was seriously advocating monster of the week i think that the monster of the week does get boring because it's not about anything specific and i think that when they do fight a monster it has to feel hard yes it can't be an everyday thing it has to be hard for them and for zarkon because otherwise why wouldn't he have an army of monsters taking over the universe? Right. It can't be like Rita Repulsa on Power Rangers. Like, I'm going to turn this piece of clay into a monster. Ha 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 ha. Like, just make 50 of them. Why do you send one at a time? Right. Just send a whole mess of them. And I kind of like what they do where essentially the monsters are like the, the outcast generals of Zarkon, essentially. Like, they're turning the people who fail him into these mindless monsters because maybe they can have at least one more use. Yeah. It, it is interesting. Also, it's really dark. <laughs> I enjoy how dark that is about it's, it's almost torture in a sense. Um, I do appreciate also the tension that they build, that there is a tension of, Oh, maybe they're not gonna win or how are they going to get through this? That, it is intense, and one episode, and I'm trying to, let me see if I can figure out which one it was. So if you haven't done your homework, you can go back and watch this one. But it was one of the first ones in the season. Maybe it was the depth? No, not the depth. Maybe it was Shiro's Escape. But it was, it was one of the first three episodes. I'm trying to remember which one it was. But, well, no, the first one, they were in the time loop. So it's not that one. But they, were, they end up, and every time they're able to escape through a wormhole, Zarkon finds them again. Mm -hmm. Which felt very much like the episode 33 from the very first episode of... Battlestar Galactica after the miniseries where mm. they knew that every 33 minutes the Cylons would find them again. Good point. And so I even put those two together. And so everyone was awake. Everyone couldn't fall asleep because they knew they only had 33 minutes before they were found again. And then you saw the exhaustion on everybody and they're just waiting for to be found the next time. So 
there was that episode and you just ended up feeling that exhaustion of this team and you do feel like they're human people and all they need to do is sleep but they can't sleep and they can't wait because it's just seven of them Mm -hmm. although i kind of felt like that particular episode had an unsatisfying resolution in terms of that plot because it's like they they happen to send a monster there for a different reason and so, you know, from the Zarkon side, like, they weren't tracking them when the Team of Seven thought, like, well, now we know how he's tracking us. And it was a completely unrelated reason how the monster got there, but then they were never tracked again. That felt weird to me. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my one complaint there. I appreciate the exhaustion and the portrayal and getting to that point, um, but it, it was a weird end to that plot. And I also... And we're t- talking about standout episodes. Um, the second season, I think, stands out a little bit more to me. One, because it's I watched it more recently. But also, <laughs> two, two because I think they were structured better and they were done in a, in a nice order. Like Escape from Beta Traz mm. was a really strong episode. Yep. Um, and I will give... On our episode where we did our Shrek perspective, we talked about earning a <laughs> fart joke. And has there ever been a successfully earned fart joke? <laughs> and I just want to take this moment in this new segment of they did it. Um, <laughs> congratulations to the writers and creators of Voltron, Legendary Defender. You have earned the fart joke. In the belly of the Weblum. You earned it. It was dramatically and character earned. My hats off to you for that fart joke. Well done. Is it going in our Fart Joke Hall of Fame? The first inductee? The first and probably only inductee of the earned fart jokes. Challenge accepted. So from now on, we're to hunt for more earned fart jokes. Tweet at us earned fart <laughs> jokes and animation at WG Animated. We'll set up a special task force to sort through your nominees. So c- congratulations again, congratulations. <laughs> I just had to I just had to say that because I felt I felt once they were going into an animal's body. I was like, this is going to end with a fart joke. That's the first thought that I had was something's going to be pooped or there's going to be fart. They're going to talk about one of the two because they have to get it, make it escape out of the stomach. And there are two ways out of the stomach, really, you know. So it's like it's going to be a fart. It's going to be pooped. And they, they did it. They, they tackled that head on and I appreciated it. I don't know what else to say about that, but but good good job. You earned I th- it. I think that's everything there is to say. <laughs> but what what else have you been tracking as as you get in through and watching these characters? Um I don't know. There's a couple twists that I do like and since we're all spoilers all the time episode today. Um I do like the evil king dad hologram episode in the first season i thought that was a nice twist for allura of like 
oh, my dad's all, he's dead, but he's still this personality hologram. And like right away, like, ha just kidding. You have to delete him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a, a fun twist to have. And I, I think that they're open to playing with these twists. And I, it's making the show richer when they're able to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just about silliness and robots fighting. Oh, there is a lot of silliness in good ways. Oh, yes. It's good silliness, and it never takes me out. It always brings me further in. Mm-hmm. Like, like Lance describing what the plan is because Hunk fell asleep, and Lance just going on and telling the story, that's, that's like probably my favorite thing of the... Of the <laughs> we're, not, we're not at that segment in our podcast yet, but I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, but... I had something else that I was going to say, and I'm having a Dory moment. What was I going to say about the show? We even talked about Koran at all. Was it Koran related? Was it Koran related? I don't believe so. Oh my gosh, I'll, I'll have to come back to it. I feel like I, I had it on the tip of my tongue and then it, it went away. Anyway, what, what, what should we say about Koran? Uh, I adore him. <laughs> I don't know. I like that he's, having not watched the original show, but having watched clips, it feels like on the original show he's very much like this calm grounded mentor like figure and in this in this iteration of voltron he's just insane (laughs) competent and well-meaning but insane (laughs) and i really enjoy that he reminds me of you in a lot of ways thank you i think it's mostly just the the facial hair it's I i think it's mostly the red facial hair for our listeners i do have red facial hair but i do no longer have a curled handlebar mustache. Okay, so it's it's a Mackenzie from another time. <laughs> it just it just brings back nostalgia, Mackenzie nostalgia. And if I were from I, New Zealand, and if you're from New Zealand, space New Zealand, new New Zealand, <laughs> space New Zealand. <laughs> Where's old Zealand? I don't know. <laughs> Probably, probably somewhere in Britain. Is it? I'm too lazy to Google other things, but I'm going to Google Old Zealand now. Don't don't Google Old Zealand. <laughs> and the first result: Where's Old Zealand for mental floss? Thank you, mental floss. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to talk about. Yes, I remember. I remember. What do you think about the magical aspects in this show? And how there's magic? Yeah. What do you think about the was magic? There, was there magic in the first series? There was a little bit of magic, but I feel like magic is a little bit more um, metaphysical in this. It's a little bit more, it almost takes on a religious feel to it. Like magic being a religion almost 
force wise, it feels very much like the force kind of magic. It feels very Star Warsian in that sense of magic and technology. How, what are it, your thoughts? It feels like it has to be earned, which we've talked about a little bit, um, which I appreciate. And since we're all spoilers, I can say it. Um, I do like the twist at in the second season finale that um, the witch Hagar is Altean because it felt like the Altaeans had some magic going on. And so I like that the person with magic for Zarkon is also Altaean and linking those two together. It's not like just anyone can have magic. It's perhaps just the Altaeans. Who have an understanding on it. The weird eyes wide shut apprentices of Hagar also <laughs> with the weird masks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> don't Google that. Also the, the other <laughs> two so of don't Google that. Um, the other thing would be about the technology and nature in episodes that we got like the um, greening the cube. And we started to see that nature, nature as a technology itself. So yeah, I mean the the lions are kind of elemental, which they haven't played with too much yet. They're kind of starting to get into it. Mm-hmm. And there's like little hints of it, like Lance underwater with the blue lines. Like, it feels like my lion controls better than ever, and that's the end of it for the underwater episode. Well, they, they do get the sense because each one has a different power. So the blue lion can freeze things and the red lion shoots fire. And they do come from different locations. And the green one, you would assume green from the earth. So there is a little bit of that. Well, I think Hunk has earth powers and Pidge has plant powers. Well, that's nature. I don't know. Foliage? I control foliage. It's a foliage bender. That just doesn't sound as good. Flora bender? Flora bender. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Flora bender. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm okay with the magic. It feels... It's, it's not entirely prevalent. It's more a space opera, and there happens to be some kind of thing that people refer to as magic, but may or may not be magic. They're kind of implying it's kind of like related to technology in some way in this world yeah somehow magic Uh, and the only reason that voltron works is because it is magic and technology as opposed to zarkon which is his his monster his robot that he creates is just technology and can't stand because i always thought about five people pilot if we just take it at its face value Five pilots, each driving five different limbs. You know, one person doing the, the head, whatever that controls. And then different person controlling right arm, controlling left arm, controlling left leg. Like, how do you, like doing a walk cycle just with two separate people controlling each leg just feels a little bit strange. Like, it seems like one person, I don't know. It just seems like there, it's, it's not just the technology that makes it work. Because if it were just the technology, then it would just, I think it would be next to impossible to even make Voltron walk. You're right. It is not just the technology because it is their friendship as they established in the first couple episodes. 
not magic. And each, well, it's each of their relationships to their own lion too. Yeah, which are not strong but can get stronger. I guess. It's weirdness. Yeah, Shiro gets strong, gets connected to the black lion and they go on a journey of understanding where the black lion came from and the origins of the black lion and it we see the war torn and when we saw zarkon was in charge of the black lion so we know why zarkon wants the black lion and zarkon still has control of the black lion a little bit there's still like his ex-girlfriend like he stills a flame he is the crazy ex zarkon (laughs) (laughs) or crazy ex paladin Crazy a... <laughs> Anyway. So I moved to Galra Empire, California. <laughs> what? The Black Lions here? Oh, that is so funny because <laughs> I didn't even know that they lived here, but that's that's great. Oh, the Black Lion. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna make some really inappropriate jokes. I won't do that. Yeah, we'll stop there. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna be oh just enough on track. <laughs> So, other, uh, yes. I was going to say, in terms of other things to follow up on, Old Zealand. Oh, yes. Is part of the Netherlands. Okay. There's Zealand, aka Sealand in Dutch, which is part of the westernmost area and islands of the Netherlands. Um, and so, New Zealand is the new version of that. Because it's also islands. Perfect. Thank That's you. That's a fun fact of the day. You're welcome. So animation and storytelling related. I <laughs> so with that, um, what was your favorite thing from either of the two seasons of Voltron as they are now? Um, anytime Hunk opened his mouth. I just want to have a super cut of like a one hour long show. It's every line of dialogue Hunk had. None of the rest of the dialogue that anyone says, just all of his lines. That's <laughs> you liked, what I want. You liked Hunk that much. I do. He's the, I mean, we talked about this a bit, but he's the Rory of this series. Like he doesn't want to be there. And I just find that really engaging. I hate this. Oh, I'm in a line in space. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Okay. I threw up again. Ha 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 ha. (laughs) I, uh, my favorite thing in this is just the episode of, um, space mall. (laughs) And just how, they have a mall cop. I, I enjoyed the mall cop. I enjoyed Hunk getting stuck at a restaurant because he thought he was getting free samples and they weren't free. I like Karan just in disguise as a space pirate trying to get these lenses. And just, I just love how off the wall it was, but it felt like something that could really happen in our world for some weird reason. It's, it just felt really grounded and um, surreal at the same time. I don't know yes. how, that, especially buying essentially the game system and not having a TV to play it on. And I, I did like the twist of like, we're going to go to this dark Moss Eisley-like place with lots of space pirates. You have to dress the part and blend in and they show up and it, it's a mall 10,000 years later. <laughs> I, I that's a good way of putting it. They were expecting Moss Eisley and ended up with just a mall. Just mm-hmm. a, a regular, ordinary mall with everything. <laughs> the darkest place in the universe where they sell 
lip gloss and they can pierce your ears at Claire's. <laughs> I feel like that would be a nice update to the uh, to the Star Wars thing. Hive of villainy. <laughs> and then you just cut, <laughs> cut to like a kid like at Claire's. Ah! Time has passed a lot in Star Wars, so maybe Mos Eisley might change in 100 years. That's true. So... <laughs> I won't go there. Let's talk homework time. So next time on Raiders Get Animated, we're going to do something a little bit different. A little bit uh, different. A little a little bit different. Slightly different. Still animated related. Anna related? I don't know. Um, we did mention last time that up for the uh, Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature is a, a film called Life Animated. Um, it is a documentary, and it's about um, Owen Suskind, and uh, it's written by his dad, who's a, or is or was a Wall Street Journal journalist, Wall Street journalist. Mm -hmm. um, and Owen is autistic, and it's about how he's uh, found his voice and place in the world through Disney movies. And the documentary uses animation to tell that story and also looks through the lens of Disney into Owen's world. So there's a lot of animation related in this movie. Uh, so we're going to do something a little bit off the beaten trail and talk about documentary in animation. And it's on iTunes, so you can rent it. You don't have to go to the theater even. You can stay at home in the dark and watch this. Like I did. And it's worth it, I think. It is. It is. It's... You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn to like documentaries. Um, just trust us. Awesome. So, yeah. as always, we want to say thank you to our engineer, Nigel Coutinho, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on Twitter, at WG Animated. Uh, tweet us your thoughts and etc. cetera. Um, and don't tweet us links to things you shouldn't Google. Um, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. And you can find all of our show notes and links and really anything that we want to throw out there that we think is random and fun on writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. And if you feel so obliged, you can leave us a review on iTunes uh, because we like that and iTunes likes that. And my friend Sigourney enjoys it too. Ooh, is this a thing now? Okay. I suppose. Our friend Sigourney. <laughs> I think our better friend is Chris O'Dowd, but mm. Mm. Yeah. it's so long. We could have more than one friend. You shut your mouth. <laughs> All right. So let's form ending of podcast. No. I don't know why it looks like a sword. No. Good. Good night, everybody. I tried. I tried. If you fail, fail miserably. No, fail spectacularly. Fabulously. Fail fabulously. Good night, period, everybody, period.